Hi, this is Paul, and you're listening to a special mini session from our Next Up event that we hosted during the Arroyo Seco Weekend Music Festival in Pasadena. In this episode, we speak with Alan Loomis, LA-based urban designer, planner, and educator. Our conversation focuses on the evolving architectural identity of Pasadena, the current state of urban planning as a profession, and his own experience of working in different parts of Los Angeles. We're here with Alan Loomis, longtime visitors to Arconnect will may remember you from back in the day when you were active on the site as one of our uh, news crew. Yes. Great to have you on and uh, catch up. Thank you. Thank you. No, thanks for the invitation. It's nice to see you in person, <laughs> yeah, not just yeah. on the internet. I know. That's the world we live in. You know, it's, we see each other often online, but uh, it's all, nothing, nothing beats in person. So, I mean, just going back to that, we were studying architecture at the same time uh, right. at SciArc. Do you remember what it was that, that uh, drew you to Arconnect at that time? How Arconnect was 20 years ago? Yeah, or how, how we made that connection. Well, I recall this sending you a cor- uh, various news articles that I thought would be of interest to Arconnect. And I think at that time, you were the sole editor and content producer. And then when you finally, when you set it up so that you could have guest editors, you asked me if I'd be interested in being one of the guest editors. And I said, yes. And then there's this amazing group of people like Mason White and Javier. Trin- uh, yeah. And I'm forgetting who else was involved in that. John that, Jordan. Uh, yeah. There's a really interesting group of people that have gone off to do interesting things and probably are not that active on Arconnect anymore either that were part of that group. So catch us up on what you've been up to since, uh, <laughs> since the early knots. Sure. You, um, I know that you, you've, you're an urban planner. You've been uh, working all over town. I believe you're at Santa Monica now. Right. So after SciArc, I went to go work for Mullen Paisoides, which is an architecture and planning firm here in Pasadena. Officially the hardest name yeah. to pronounce and in Pasadena. And did work with them for about seven years, uh, five years after school and a few years while I was still in school. Uh, and then left their office when I was recruited to become the first on-staff urban designer for the city of Glendale, which is just over the San Rafael Hills from where we're sitting here at the Rose Bowl. How does that happen? How do you become the first on-staff Well, the planning director or assistant planning director then became planning director, wanted to create an urban design position. He had worked in West Hollywood with the late, great John Chase. So he understood what an on-staff urban designer could do for the city. So he created the position and then recruited people to apply. And I ended up being the person he decided to hire. Um, But the city of Glendale had never had that position before. At the time, Santa Monica and West Hollywood were the only cities that really had that kind of position. And arguably... Santa Monica, West Hollywood, and Glendale are really the only cities, and to a lesser extent, in a different way, Los Angeles, the only cities in the region that really have an urban designer as a position on city staff. So I was in Glendale and ran their urban design program for a little more than a decade. Uh, and then Santa Monica wanted to recruit a new style of urban designer. And so they recruited me uh, to come out there. So about two months ago, I started working in Santa Monica uh, after a 10-year-plus run in so when you say a new style of urban designer, um, what well, is what your style? Had, what they have had in Santa Monica for many years, for a decade at least, and they still have, is a position called urban designer that's really focused on managing their architectural review and historic review commissions. So if you're an architect doing work in Santa Monica, you'd go through that process and the architectural review board would ultimately have to approve your project. There's an urban designer and a staff person, Stephanie Reich, with whom I've worked with in the past. She currently has that position in Santa Monica. Um, But the position they created for me, which is actually called city urban designer, or the position they recruited that, that I 
was recruited for. That has a much broader overview and is more focused on policy. And to a certain extent, what's been described to me is that Santa Monica, which has been a leader in urban design and planning for decades, like the entire nation looks to them for kind of advice and kind of inspiration. They've sort of hit this plateau, they've kind of plateaued in a way, and they're trying to figure out what's next. And so for me professionally, taking a place that's already at their A game and figuring out how to push it even further was pretty exciting. And so that's kind of what this position is charged with helping the city imagine. So in addition to that, you've also just finished a year of uh, as, as chair of the Pasadena Design Commission, uh, where you've also been for the last three years as a commissioner. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, what, what the commission is and, and your role there? Yeah, so I live in Pasadena, and a resident of Pasadena can serve on any of the city's commissions. And so I'm one of nine members on the city's design commission. So we review all architecture projects over 10 units or 10,000 square feet, somewhere in that territory. Um, and the commission is an interesting makeup. There are five members of which I'm one that are appointed by the mayor. And then the other four members of the commission come off of other commissions. So we have a representative from Historic Commission, Traffic Commission, Planning Commission, and the Arts Commission. So those four commissioners do double duty. They'll do two commissions in a month on uh, their home commission, and then they come to us for about a year and serve in design commission. So it's a really interesting group of people that bring a lot of different perspectives to the table. We serve three-year terms. So I just finished my first three-year term, got reappointed for another term just recently, and then I just served the past year as the chair of the commission. And so it's an interesting dynamic. My first day, very intelligent conversation. And so the good way of illustrating this is the very first day I served, we had about a 30-minute conversation that was precipitated by a project where we were asking a question, what is Pasadena architecture? How do you define Pasadena architecture? What is the characteristics of Pasadena architecture? And so it's a very high-level intellectual conversation that you, I don't think would typically expect from a city government bureaucracy. So what kind of answers came out of those questions? Well, we've been working on this, and so my personal take on it, and I think a lot of my commissioners would tend to agree with me, is Pasadena architecture, from the outside, you would tend to think, oh, it must be craftsman architecture, the green and green craftsman work, right? So it's craftsman. Well, City Hall is this pretty amazing neoclassical building. So maybe it's neoclassical. Well, there's also Spanish revival. But then, well, there's also some pretty amazing modernism. You think like Craig Elwood's art center up the hill. So it's not defined by style. But if you walk around old Pasadena, what you discover in the downtown is these kind of amazing networks of publicly accessible alleys and kind of hidden courtyards that feels almost European or maybe East Coast or kind of like New Orleans. And so I think Pasadena architecture is really about that figure ground in which there is a real open network for pedestrians at the sidewalk, at the ground level, to penetrate through and connect between different buildings. And the great example of that is the City Hall itself, which has this extraordinary courtyard in the middle of the building that is open all the time. And not only is it open all the time, but the walkways, effectively the hallways of the City Hall offices, are the arcades on both the first floor and the second floor that overlook that courtyard, and that's open all the time. And you can get to that courtyard in those arcades from either the east entrance or the west main entrance, which is underneath this majestic dome. And so if a building has this kind of sense of publicly accessible open space accessed at the ground floor that connects with other open, similar kinds of spaces through the city, I think it feels very native to Pasadena, regardless of whether it's a craftsman building 
you know, our modern building or a Spanish building. So what's the future of Pasadena architecture and the future of Pasadena urban planning? Well, from a planning perspective, there are cities sort of continuing to invest in building up and in, in new housing and density and development around the three or four light rail stations. Um, so that's really where the development's going to go. The city's in the process of uh, hiring consultants to help rewrite the zoning codes uh, for those areas. So it's pretty much kind of continuation of kind of a legacy that set in motion in the late 80s, early 90s. From an architecture perspective, it's kind of interesting. There's some really innovative architecture work coming through the commission. So... One of the more exciting projects is Michael Maltzen is doing a new master plan for the Art Center, both the main campus up on the hill, the Craig Elwood building. But then the more interesting piece is the uh, the power plant segment at the south campus at the south edge of downtown, um, which builds around the wind tunnel complex by Daly Gannick Architects. And so there's a huge campus that Maltzen is planning there, a series of individual buildings and interlinked walkways and stuff that's really pretty cool and very modern and, and you know it's going to be similar to his one santa fe project i think in some respects because it's a very long narrow site up against the tracks uh and then gensler is designed a very modern building kitty corner from the historic city hall for a local real estate office company in fact, we'll be reviewing that project for its final approvals this coming Tuesday at the commission. Um, so there's some pretty interesting, innovative architecture coming to the city. You've mentioned in the past that that you thought that Pasadena is suffering from a dilemma of density. Yes. <laughs> uh, can you talk about that and what, what that the meaning behind yeah, that? Yeah, I think, you know, and in the context of Pasadena, where that phrase came from when I wrote that art, uh, article with that title, it was that Pasadena had agreed back, as I said, in the late 80s and early 90s that they were going to focus new development and density around the railroad stations in the downtown and other kind of key corridors parallel to the new, the new train station that's now the Gold Line. And so the city followed through that plan. But as the new buildings emerged, they weren't received with a lot of love in the community, and people were still not in favor of them. And so the question in that context was, you've done this great planning to preserve single-family neighborhoods and low-density multifamily neighborhoods, and the trade-off was we're going to have to have density somewhere. But in the end, when that density shows up, everybody kind of still panics about it. And so at the time, my thesis was the architecture needs to feel more authentic to that particular place. And the early higher-density architecture in Pasadena, I didn't think, was doing that. But having worked in Gwendale and now Santa Monica and seeing this debate with Measure S uh, come through in Los Angeles, it's happening everywhere in the region. And at this point, I'm not so convinced it's we just need better architecture necessarily to be the solution. To some extent, I think people are just frightened and kind of, tired of the constant change in construction. You know, and when I was in Glendale, we built in the 10 years I was there, roughly 3,000 units of new housing on one half mile stretch of road. That was pretty much all the development that happened in the city in those 10 years. But it was on one half mile stretch of road in the middle of the downtown where everybody saw it. <laughs> and so it looked like a lot because, you know, in some ways it was. So it's, you know, planning is always about managing growth in some fashion. And it's, you know, nobody likes change. I'm I'm curious about how you became a planner because you studied architecture, right? So how at SciArc, which doesn't offer an urban planning program, right? Yeah. Um, how how did that happen? So I I was interested in urban planning and city issues. I I was originally studying architecture in Detroit, which is a kind of strange place to talk about planning. And the context there was 
we really just need to build more beautiful buildings in the downtown and then the city will revitalize. And at the time I sort of like, no, you know, Detroit's got other problems going on than just needing more heroic architecture. So I became interested in the cities and in LA when Syrac was attractive because it was LA, because LA is so polycentric as a city that it couldn't live on the mythology that all you had to do was build more in the downtown and somehow the city would be okay. And so it's been interesting because I've since now worked in three of the various kind of second, you know, smaller cities that ring Los Angeles. I've never worked in Los Angeles myself, but I've worked in a lot of the smaller cities that surround Los Angeles in my career. So I came to LA with an interest in practicing architecture in that context, but then very quickly while I was at SciArc, realized that urban design or planning was more of an interest to me. Setting the stage for architecture in the city was where I wanted to be. And, you know, I have to give credit to John Kaliski, who was one of my professors and thesis advisor at SciArc for helping me come to that realization and opening up a lot of doors in the planning world for me. And when I was at SciArc, I mean, he gave me the introduction to Stephanos Polyzoides, where I got my first urban planning job. Do you practice any architecture at all? No. It's just purely planning. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done kind of conventional architecture, as most people think of it, in well over 10 years. So, I mean, you've practiced planning in L.A. exclusively, correct? I mean, uh, how do you think L.A. compares to other cities for an urban planner? Well, in the context of America, I think Los Angeles area is amazing because the degree to which we have to think through the problems of developing density, public space, new kinds of housing on what has historically been a city that's operated around this kind of automobile density is a pretty amazing challenge. And I think we're ahead of the curve for most cities in that respect. So I do think like places like Phoenix or Houston are going to be in a generation kind of looking to Los Angeles saying, how did Los Angeles solve this problem as they encounter those same issues? You know, now it's kind of wrapped in with the issues of climate change and how we're going to address climate change in a place like Los Angeles. So it's not just a physical problem of designing that. There's also kind of cultural change in terms of how we think about living in a city. Um, You know, and maybe like this Arroyo Seco Festival is kind of a good example of like, you know, space that now is like a public space for gathering that, you know, this came to be in Pasadena with that, with not without a decent amount of controversy um, to get this in in motion. This festival. What was that controversy? Well, you know, anything that happens in the Rose Bowl area is inherently controversial because it generates traffic and noise impacts for the residents who live around it. And the idea of a two or three day festival akin to Coachella and other festivals that have a somewhat notorious reputation at least as viewed by a kind of conservative contingent of Pasadena. You know, I want that literally in my backyard. So people can tolerate two hours of Beyonce or U2, maybe. But <laughs> You know, they don't even necessarily, you know, some people don't even like that. But. Well, I could hear U2's full Joshua Tree yeah. set from my house. Well, you know, I, I live like a 15-minute walk from here. And, and when I bought my house, you know, you know, I bought my house knowing full well there's a football stadium that predated me by a hundred years in my backyard. You know, kind of expect the city to use it <laughs> once yeah. in a while. You know, because the trade-off is putting up for ten, you know, days of or whatever it is of a few concerts and the Rose Bowl game, the, the football games for UCLA. You know, the other 350 days of the year, I've got this park that's akin to a national park in my backyard to use whenever I want. I don't have to pay for it. So an event like this helps makes this amazing public space possible. So one question before we wrap up about Pasadena. How does Pasadena fit into Los Angeles? What is what is the identity of Pasadena relative to the rest of the city? Well, it's it's got an interesting kind of a, a identity that's sort of apart from Los Angeles, right? So it 
you can live in Pasadena and never actually have to go to Los Angeles to do anything. We've got our own symphony here and, you know, all our own museums, you you know, and everything you could possibly want. Some good want. restaurants are popping up. Very good restaurants, you know, and like a lot more kind of hipster restaurants, if you will, kind of more cutting edge sort of stuff um, is sort of coming to Pasadena. Um, so it sort of has this identity apart. And I think part of that is identity apart is established by the physical geography that Pasadena is located, you know, some 10 miles uphill and kind of on, on this ravine that sort of overlooks downtown Los Angeles. So there's that. You know, I think to some extent Pasadena can serve a, serves or would like to think of itself as a role model that there is a certain kind of Southern California living that Pasadena has been very good at, you know, going back to the green and greenhouses and the kind of craftsman bungalow courts that serves as a model for how Los Angeles in general could grow or live and be. Uh, and so, you know, the challenge, I suppose, for Pasadena is to say, as the city continues to grow and evolve, how does it continue to be that kind of role model for the rest of the city? Because Pasadena being so much smaller is much more nimble than Los Angeles can kind of change quicker and think through things. And the degree of civic talent here in terms of the amount of the kinds of people that choose to live in Pasadena and participate in civic life, you know, extraordinarily smart and very talented people who care passionately about issues of design and architecture, and they engage. I mean, between JPL and Caltech, we probably have more IQ points than uh, most other <laughs> parts yeah, of the Yeah, well, then you've got that, too. You've got yeah. this kind of extraordinary science talent, too, that also sort of participates. So, so you're going to enjoy the uh, the festival absolutely. this weekend? Yeah, uh, any, absolutely. Any bands in particular that you're excited well, to see? Well, Tom Petty, for sure. Yeah. Although I'm, I think he's just about to go on. I'm very curious to see Jeff Goldblum's jazz band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird. I would love fun. to see that, yeah. But we're going to be busy. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us. It was great to catch up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this mini-session. For more information about this show and other shows from this series, check out Arconnect.com. I'd like to thank all of our guests, especially Jimenez Lai and Joanna Grant of Bureau Spectacular for creating the beautiful structure for this event. I'd also like to express our gratitude to Golden Voice, especially Rafi Lair, for encouraging a public discussion about architecture and urban design and for including us in this amazing inaugural event.